Thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. Stay tuned to hear a message from God. Enjoy. God bless. With our text coming from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. 1 John chapter 3. Verses 1 through 10. Let's read. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus has this hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practice lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him... There is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, and he as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brothers. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and bless this word right now. I pray for clarity. I pray you give us understanding, Lord. I yield my tongue and my mouth. I yield my understanding to you, Lord. I don't know unless you teach me, Lord. I don't know, Lord God, unless you reveal to me your ways, Lord. And I pray that for your people, Lord God, we open ourselves up to you now in Jesus' name. I give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for changing us and rearranging our thinking, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that this message change, provoke, encourage, Lord God, and challenge your people this morning. In Jesus' name, we yield to you this morning. You are the master teacher. We will not know unless you teach us, Lord God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, you show your people what it means to have a clear conscience. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right. We're starting this series today. And it's about getting rid of guilt, condemnation, and shame. Amen. The Christian walk can be an adventure, to say the least. There are more, uh, there is more to the Christian life than what you're experiencing now. There's more information that needs to be made known to all of us. Some knowledge about God that pertains to us has different levels of priorities. 
for us to know. And the subject that we uh, that will be brought to your ears from my lips is by far my top number one subject. Many Christians are not experiencing an enjoyable Christian life. For many Christians, it's a struggle to do right. Um, have you ever wondered why is it so hard to move forward as a believer? You take one step forward, then you get two, you get knocked two steps back. How many of y'all experienced that? It seems like everybody having fun but you. Pastor's always happy. Everybody's getting blessed but me. It, it's just, it's, <laughs> it just seems like nothing is working out, right? The Christian life isn't what it cracked up to be. Do these questions ever plague your mind ever? All right. I was taught that life is about asking the right questions. What is it? What does it mean to move forward as a Christian? Can it be judged by the same standards of the world? Or what have what have you been accustomed to? I submit to you as a leader and in the kingdom of God. Uh, and to be totally honest with you. Everything going right for you and according to plan isn't the goal as a believer. Can I say that again? Everything for everything to go right and to go according to plan isn't the goal as the believer. I'm sorry if I gave you the wrong impression about Christianity. But the joy you see in me isn't my fault. It isn't because everything is going right in my life. It isn't because I have money in the bank. It isn't because my kids are acting right and everything is perfect. It isn't because I have no problems at work. The Christian walk isn't about getting rid of all your problems and circumstances. Yes, Jesus is the problem solver and have all knowledge. Yes, Jesus is the answer for the world today. But how can you still enjoy your walk uh, when it looks like things are not changing and God seems like he has gone silent. There are many times the Lord has answered my prayers instantly and came through in a quick manner. Then there are all the rest. Where it seems like it's just never going to change. How many of y'all have those feelings? All right. There's a space and time between when you start to trust the Lord and when he actually come through. This space is where God will require you to walk by faith. It's during this space and time where many give up and stop trusting. I believe during this time, God wants to develop us. He wants to increase us. He wants to tweak our understanding. He takes advantage of his opportunity to adjust us and impart purpose to our faith. He tweaks our motive. It's during these times um, the enemy to the body of Christ, come and tempt us to destroy our faith. And the number one enemy to the body of Christ, to me, in my opinion, is guilt, condemnation, and shame. Uh, it's during these times when the voice of guilt will say, you know God isn't going to answer your prayer because you said this and you've done that. It seems like a resounding loop that plays in the arena of your conscience. Or you see, this is why God isn't going to answer your prayers, because you're not holy enough. Shame speaks through your emotions. 
that you are never going to change. That's what shame says. You ain't never going to change. You're always going to stay the same. God can't answer your prayers. You're never going to change. All right? Condemnation speaks with a soft, quiet voice and said, and says, God don't love you. You see, you messed up again. Why should God do anything for you? You keep messing up on him. This is why God isn't going to heal you or bless you. God don't love you. Condemnation says, condemnation causes you to give up because you feel like you have to take the punishment of the sin that you committed. You feel like Condemnation wants you to pay for your sins. It wants you to pay. And you feel this guilt come on you, so you just settle and take it. Why? Because you made your bed. You got to sleep in it. Why? We heard that, right? How about him giving you another bed with clean sheets? Amen. You do not have to lay in the bed that you have made from your mistakes. I guarantee you don't. If you start trusting in Jesus. You don't have to. Condemnation just sit and make you sit and take it. Why? Why? Because you really did it. You really did it, right? All right, let's keep moving forward. I've never seen anything kill my confidence more than these monsters, guilt, condemnation, and shame. I believe the reason they are so effective in doing so is because they come with facts. That's why they're so convincing. Because it really happened. They did do you wrong. You did mess up. Yeah, it wasn't right. And you messed up. Right? They come with, they come with what might, uh, the purpose in this is to get you stay, to stay in the state so you can forfeit your future. But I have good news for you. Just because something is fact don't mean it's the truth. Let me say that again. Just because something is the facts don't mean it's the truth that comes from Jesus. Facts can change, but truth stay the same. Praise God. There is a reality that can explode within you about God's love, and the results of that love can make this time of waiting on the Lord a lot easier. My desire as a pastor isn't just to tell you what to do, but it's also to show you how. I want to show you how to rid these areas and secure them on Jesus' love for you. And that's my desire, to show you how. Do you want to know how? Yes. Oh, that's not everybody. I know you know. You want to know. She want to know. I heard somebody say they want to know. All right, I know you know. want to know. But do y'all want to know? Yes. Amen. We want to know how. We just don't want to know what to do. We want to know how. Amen. And when to apply. All right, and that's my desire as I pray for you all. Lord, teach me how to show them how. Lord, show me how. Amen. Show me how to do this, how to get rid of these areas, these things that, that's plaguing us. I, seen a, I see a lot of good people 
get destroyed. Not by, not by prostitution, crack cocaine, not by going out into the world living like sin. It's guilt. Guilt is killing folks, man. And the reality is Jesus has forgiven you. Let me, let me, let me give you the, the, totality, the totality of the gospel. He's already done it. Let me say it over here. Y'all didn't hear it. Okay. The Bible says that Jesus was manifested to take away all our sins, right? That means Jesus has already forgiven you. Why be guilty about something that Jesus already became guilty for you about? Why he didn't die a sinner's death? I mean, he died a sinner's death, right? He didn't deserve it. But why was he guilty? The sin that you messed up in. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. So how can we have a clear conscience? How can we actually have a clear conscience? I'm going to give you some steps that I believe in the next couple of weeks. I believe as you uh, grab these steps and do these things at home and grab what God wants to you, I believe it will increase in you. And you don't have to be guilty about what you do, especially when you have repented. Now, I'm not talking about unrepentant sin. I'm talking about repentant sin. What does that look like? What does the repentance look like? I wish I'd never done that. Man, if I had another choice to do that, I wouldn't do it. And God sees your heart and he says, man, it's granted. You didn't. If you had another choice. Now, if you had another choice and you're going to go in it, that's another story. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you had another choice and you wouldn't do it. I messed up. I shouldn't have did that. I'm changed. I'm not doing that no more, man. I don't like the way I feel after I do that. Right? I hate that feeling. Guess what that feeling is? Guilt. That's your enemy. That's how you, you want to know how the devil feel. And this is how he's going to feel forever. How you feel after you messed up. That's his state. That's his permanent state of being. That's why he like beating. He leads you to it, then beat you up for doing it. Because that's him. That's who he is. Amen. That's his state. That's his character. All right, let's go into some how-tos. First point, undivided attention. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. And we're going to read this in multiple different versions. I want you to grab the emphasis of these verses. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come to you with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2 in the New Living Translation. Listen to this. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ and the one who was crucified. In the Amplified Bible says, For I resolved to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, and to be conscious of nothing while I was among you, except Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and him crucified. The Message Bible says, "Um, You remember, friends, that when I came to you, to let you in on God's master stroke. I did not try to impress you with polished speeches and, and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. 
first Jesus Christ and who he is, then Jesus Christ and what he did, Jesus crucified. It's never God's intention for you to try hard to fix your life. We have been systematically trained in an indirect manner to focus on ourselves and what we are and what's wrong and what we are doing. We have been trained to focus on problems. Say problems. We have been trained to focus on problems. Many believe believers are consumed with themselves and how they feel. Many uh, status with their relationship with God is complicated. Many have sin on their mind. Jesus wants us to focus on him. He said many times to believe in him, trust in him, rely on him, and not on the devil or not on sin. It's a very bad habit to go around talking about what the devil is doing and how he is so busy. Why uh, when there is power of life and death on your tongue, get rid of the devil off your lips and start overcoming. If first, before we can start overcoming, we have to get him off our lips. We have to get rid of, we've learned to focus on what's wrong. And so now our concentration is, what's wrong? What's wrong with the, what's wrong with the president? What's wrong with the pastor? What's wrong, just what's wrong? What's wrong with the boss? What's wrong with your spouse? What's wrong with your cousin? What's wrong? It's on our lips. And I got good news. The devil isn't your problem. Satan isn't your problem. He has been defeated by our master. He is a cut off withering branch coming to nothing. Amen. Say, say this with me. Satan and all my sins has been defeated on the cross. Jesus overcame him. All right. He isn't your problem. Let's let that soak in. Then what is? All right. Satan isn't your problem. It's not the devil. Amen. But it is something, though. Not knowing the truth that comes from Jesus is all our problem. Knowing how to detect a lie is a great treasure in the kingdom. Not knowing Jesus is our number one problem. How can we let Jesus be our focus? And we can't see him. I want to make it simple for you. God's agenda is for us as his children to learn how to give him our attention. Now, this will be a challenge for many of us. All right. And we do many things at once living in this world. Proverbs 4, verse 20, verse 20 through 22 says, my son. Give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all thy flesh. Now, can I get a, uh, some volunteers? All right. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about giving God your undivided attention. The first step, I believe, in getting a cure, uh, clear conscience is, first of all, get your mind off the devil. All right? 
Volunteers, I need five, please. Come on up. One, two, three, four, one more. Come on up. All right, Gabrielle, I want you over here. You are distraction one. This distraction right here, and this is a distraction. This is all she going to say. This is all she going to say right here. Is what you going to do. That's all I want you to say is what you going to do when I tell you, okay? All right, distraction number two. Come over here, Trent Trent. Face this way. And all I want you to say is come this way. Please, I love you. Come this way. When I tell you, okay? Distraction number three. Up here, Jalen. All I want you to say when the time comes is I love you. Come this way. Come, come drink. I'm sorry. Come drink with me. That's all I want you to say. Come drink with me. Okay? All right. One more. Come on this way. Right up here. And all I want you to say is I want to spend time with you. Okay? I want to spend time with you. All right. You are the believer. You get saved. Come, come here. You get saved. Let's face everyone. You get saved. You start following Jesus. And you make a decision to follow Christ, right? And we all go through this. We all have been through this. And as we say we want to follow Jesus, we do what he say, we know distractions are coming, right? They come in the form. What's the number one form they come in? They come in people. People is the number one. The enemy will use people. Old friends, old flames, people you used to hang with in the flesh, right? They come in too much time on your job. Money. Somebody want to spend time with you, just talk over the phone. What they talking about? Problems. Right? Problems. They dumping them on you, right? And you trying to follow Jesus, right? All right. So I'm Jesus. And I say, come on, Sister Wendy, follow me. Just hear my voice. And Sister Wendy walking along her path. And we trying to walk. Come on this way, Sister Wendy. We need to go out them doors. Now all y'all speak. Louder. Hold on, Miss Wendy. Don't, don't, don't. Miss Wendy, I want you to keep following me. Keep talking. Hold on, Miss Wendy. That's your cousin saying it. No, hold, come on. Keep following me. But what really happened? Turn around. And guess what? Guess what? Let me help, help y'all get this picture. What I tell you to say? What you going to do? Miss Wendy, you just going to turn your back on me? 20 years of friendship. You just going to turn your back on me, huh? All right. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Miss Wendy. Miss Wendy, what I tell you to say? Come over here. I love you. You know we've been friends all this time. You just going to do me like this? 
Come here, I just want you to come over and sit with me. That's all. Just come over and sit. Come on, hold on, hold on. Come on, Miss Wendy. You, I know you love me. You know, girl, come here, girl. And what we do, hold on. They'll pull on us. Come on. Come on, come. Be, be. Come on. We don't do this all the time. We don't do this. Let's just come over and sit. We're having a barbecue. Come on. Just come on, play with me, Miss Wendy. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, play with me. Come on, play with me. Come on. All right, what we do? We just going to come over and sit. We're not going to do nothing, right? We're not going to do nothing. We just come over and sit with them. Why? Because they begged us. Come on, let's come on over here and sit with us and sit. You know, where you been? You been going to church all the time. You know it don't take all that. You know it don't take all that, Miss Wendy. I mean, come on, huh? put that little bit in your hand right there and drink on that a little bit. You know I love you. Come on. Now, distractions. Now, these distractions are stronger. Why? Because they've been around for years. And when you start talking about following Jesus and moving forward in him, distractions going to rise. And I'm saying, come on, Ms. Wendy, you, don't, you just say hey. Just say hey to family members. Go hate, hate them at work. We love y'all, but I got to go home. I got to go to church. Especially if you've been working all day on Wednesday. Hey, I love y'all. All right, give, them some, give God some praise for them. <laughs> so we have to beware of distractions. Why? Jesus wants us to give, he wants us to give him his undivided attention. This is the first step in order to start clearing your conscience. I guarantee that you will get tested in these areas. You all already know what I'm talking about. If family members can't get you, then old friends can't get you. If they can't, if your old friends can't get you, he gonna work through somebody to get to you. If he can't get to you personally, if he can't get to your mind personally, he will always work through somebody or someone close to you. All right? And these are people we love. Right? But we must surrender and yield to our master Jesus. All right? And I'm not talking about totally disconnect yourself from people because we love people, right? We can't go off in a corner by ourselves and we just, you know, that's not the kingdom. To just be over here by yourself in a corner. Amen? The kingdom of God is about people. So he loves people. But if someone is taking me away from Jesus, when Jesus telling me to go right and somebody telling me to go to left, that is they being used by the devil. Amen. But Pastor Jasper, what if I want to go? What if I want to go? That's a sure sign that a heart need to be surrendered to Jesus. You need to confess that sin. That's what I would do if I was you. And that's what I've done. Lord, I want it. Why do I want it? I would confess that sin. I would admit to it. Because you can't get help if you don't admit, if you don't get honest. All right? So what do we do? What's the next step, Pastor Jasper, as we, as we give Jesus our undivided attention? Because as, we, as he said, attend to my words. So what do we have to attend to? We have to attend to what he's saying. How can you give his attention? You have to give heed to his word. Why? Because we can't see Jesus. All right? But the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So, 
How important is his word? It's God. It's God. It's not a little God. It's not about, it's God himself in his word. All right? Number two, let the cleansing begin. This stage can be very uncomfortable. The word has to wash your soul and your conscience from sin. When we become born again, there is a residue of how we used to live and believe. Amen. And we've learned it from the world. And this stuff must be cleaned out. Ephesians 5.26 said in the Amplified, so that he might sanctify the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water by the word. The way it was has to be cleaned out of us. Sometimes we have, we have ways and mindsets that are stubborn. It's so ingrained in us. In some areas, take some extra rubbing. How many of y'all know about that? It takes some extra rubbing. And so we call them stubborn stains, right? What even more humbling is, if we've been saved for any number of years and find out, there is still much cleaning by God's word to undergo. I have news for you. The cleaning never stops. It must be maintained. The conscience would be the toughest area of the soul to clean and the most important, in my opinion. Con means with. Science means to know. This area has to experience a guiltless experience. That means not one sin come up from your past and make you guilty. There is nothing more satisfying than to know that there is nothing wrong be between me and God. This can only be achieved by, accepting, by the accepting of God's word. If there is anything you must experience, it is this. To know the creator is pleased with you because of Jesus. This can be a great challenge for many because we want to take the credit for the good in our lives. So how can we know, how, to, how can we start cleaning our conscience? How can we start getting the guilt from our conscience out of us? Because I've seen it kill people. I've seen condemnation take people out. And you just give up. Why? Because of your past. And let's, so let's, we have to start accepting the truth in our minds. We have to start applying it. So what is the truth and the results of the cross? What it has accomplished? Hebrews 10, 14 says, For by this one offering he has perfected forever, completely cleansed those who are being sanctified, bringing each believer to spiritual completion and maturity. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, even I, am he that blots out thy transgression for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Okay, let's, 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 let's stop right there. Hold on, this is God now. And he's all-knowing. And he says, I blots out your transgression for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Now, if this God, and he's all-knowing, and he's no, he knows everything, how can he show me how not to remember my past sins? Because the enemy going to come. You remember what you did? You'll be sleeping. You'll be riding down the, riding down the road. You're in a whole other life. You're following Jesus. He'll bring something that happened 10 years ago. He'll bring something that happened 7 years ago. How do you respond to that? Do we accept it? 
because there is a way for you to respond to them thoughts. You do not have to accept those thoughts, especially if you've been forgiven. The Bible said that when he, when he forgives us, he throw our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be brought up again. The Bible says, just like, just like the east is far from the west, so as God has departed my sin from me. Amen. Then the Bible says that he was manifested to take away our sin. John the Baptist said, this is Jesus, behold, the one that takes away the sins of the world. Okay? So, how can we apply this to our lives? He said, we'll not remember. That means thoughts will come back into your head, reminding you of what you did. If you ask Jesus to forgive you, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. He said, if you confess, that means if you have admitted, if you told him you were sorry, Lord, show me how not to do that again. It's not crying, but changing the way you think about that. All right. But he said, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse you, to forgive you and then cleanse you. Why do we need cleanse? Because there is residue of guilt and shame and condemnation. How do we get rid of it? We have to start applying the word to ourselves. We have to accept it for ourselves. So something come back to your mind and saying, you know what you did. No, I'm forgiven. You have to go back to what the word said. No, Jesus has forgiven me of that. And that's always the devil. It's never God bringing your sin back up to your remembrance. Never God. Never God. Never God. So anything come back in your mind saying you've done something, that's always the devil. Why? Because he want to make you guilty. He want to take away your confidence. He want to take away your faith and the trust in what Jesus done for you on the cross. Yeah, you are saved. You are going to heaven. But you can use the blood and the cross today. You can use it in your mind. You don't have to stay guilty. All the stuff that I've done wrong, I'm telling you. And God makes you feel like you ain't never done nothing wrong. You know, you have a, you have a knowledge about it. But you can experience God in your conscience where you, where you don't have to stay convicted about no sin you've done wrong. And I'm just giving you the grand scheme of how God loved you. Because he loved you like this before you even thought about loving him. The Bible says while we was yet sinners, he died for us on the cross. And just to knock out for a lot of people who think they don't need God's love, you done done something wrong. You're going to need to thank God for the cross at one point in time in your life, I'm telling you. But I'm giving you the truth about the gospel. What is the gospel? He has forgiven you. He loves you. Don't let the enemy keep beating you up about that sin. The enemy reminded me for something you did wrong. Oh, no, devil, you can't, make, you can't remind me about that. I fight that. That's not who I am. Why? Because the Bible says, no, no man after the flesh. You are a new creature in Christ. Old things passed away. All things become new. Your flesh is what's sinning. If you can stop that flesh from sinning, you would. After you become born again, you don't like going and sinning against God. If you like going and sinning against God after you become born again, you're not born again. Amen? Why? Because the seed of righteousness is in you. So what, does, what has to happen? We have to start applying the cross. I'm a new creature in Christ. And that new creature hates everything that's of the flesh. And you have to believe this. You have to accept it by faith. You have to first get it on your lips. Start feeding on it. Put it on your lips. I am forgiven. I am forgiven of all my sins. Let's get some more scriptures. How many of y'all need scriptures? I need scriptures. 
This is what I feed on. Colossians 2 verse 16 says, you were dead because of your sins and your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it out the way by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. 1 John 3 verse 5 says, And you know that he came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. So how will you begin to see and have no sin in your conscience? If the Bible says there is no sin in Jesus, and the word is God, there is no sin in that word. And when you let that word resound in your mind, you can start cleaning your conscience where your conscience begins. You can have sin-free conscience where you're not focusing on sin all the time. You're not focusing, well, I got to get up and I got to try to read my Bible and I got to pray and I got to do what's right. It's hard living like that. I don't get up and try to be a Christian. You know, I got to be good today. It should be easy to be a Christian. If it's hard, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It should be easy being who you are. It shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be hard to be who you are, right? We've been conditioned. Why? Because our feeling, it feels hard. It feels hard sometimes because we're not conditioned. But when you first get born again, you're transitioning out of another life. And sometimes we have residue from that past life that come up and try to convince us how to be. And try to dictate to you on who you are in Christ. And it's not the truth that's in Jesus. If you've been born again, if you really surrendered your life to Jesus, you, you don't have to take what your flesh is saying. Your flesh can say one thing. And you do something in the flesh, and it try to make you that forever. How many of y'all got those family members? Well, you did something when you was eight, and you still hearing about it at the family reunion. 25 years later, they still mad at you. I got, right now, I got aunties mad at my mama. My mama mad at the auntie. And it ain't never happening. I, I, and I still call my aunties. They mad at me. They mad at each other. Them family feuds. Because something happened 15 years ago. 20 years ago. And it's real. It's real anger. It's real frustration. But what if that sin got took away? Ain't nothing to be mad about. You want to know how to stop getting mad? Get rid of the sin. Forgive the sin. This is how God defeated our enemy. When God forgave us, he defeated the devil. That's powerful right there. Why? Because the devil always needs something wrong. He always wants you to focus on something wrong. Be, have all in your mind what's wrong. Well, so-and-so and them ain't right. They ain't right. They ain't right. Them ain't right. And get you focused on what's wrong that we don't even know what's right. And we focus on it because we've been conditioned to. All right? So if, 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 if Jesus has already forgiven me, why am I remembering? Now, the, 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 the government... And the police, they already going to remind us what we done did if you done got locked up or something. I don't need my family members reminding me. I'm not that person no more. I ain't running the streets no more. 
I ain't running the streets no more. I'm not that person no more. Why you keep telling me what I did? All right. But if God ain't remembering your sins, you're going to have to practice not remembering them also. That means you're not that person you used to be. So when it comes back up, no, I ain't doing that no more. I used to be like that. I'm not going that way no more. I don't care what you said I used to do. I don't care what thought come into my mind. I fight that in Jesus' name. And that's always the devil reminding you of your past. That's always the devil because God wants you to move forward in your future. How can you move forward in being another person when you keep getting reminded of who you was? And it has to be, it's got to be a point where you start to fight who you used to be. You have to start coming to the realization that you're a new creature in Christ. Man, I don't do that stuff no more. I'm moving forward in Christ. The Lord Jesus is teaching me how not to be like that no more. I'm not going back to that junk. Why would I go back to garbage? Why would I go back to throw up? Why would I go back to useless thing that ain't never did nothing good for me? Why would I go back to that? Go back to the depression, anxiety, worry, and shame, and guilt. Why would I go back to that? When you start experiencing what it means to have a clear conscience. When God has forgiven you of all your sins. I remember that first revelation. I asked God, I was remember, it was 2005. Back in 2005, I asked God just one question that changed and rocked my world. And I asked God, Lord, how much do you love me? I know it seems simple, but he came in my room, man. And when he came in my room, he made me feel like the most important person in the world. Like, I'm telling you, and then I felt like I didn't deserve it because I know I got all this junk in my past. And I felt like the most important person in the world that didn't deserve what I was getting. And then he started teaching me how to really start clearing my conscience up by accepting, I love you. You're a new creature. I have forgiven you. And then once you start getting his forgiveness in your conscience, all right, then you'll start experiencing what it means to live guilt-free, shame-free, condemnation-free. What that stuff from your past not holding you back? What are things that you, you, you wish you could do, Jesus, you have the strength to do it. And that guilt has to be relieved of your mind Why? through what he's done for you on the cross. Through the power of the forgiveness, you can get relieved of your past. And through the power of forgiving somebody, you can relieve what they did to you. It don't have to plague you. You know, so-and-so did that, and it hurt you again, just as fresh. You remember that sin they did to you? It it hurt. It happened probably 10 years ago. And you still mad about that. And Jesus just all only, only, only way to get really get rid of it is let that stuff go. Let Jesus forgive you, and then you forgive them. Why? And keep coming back in your head because the enemy, he don't like making two dollars off a dollar. He want to make $1, and he want to make as much money off that as he can. So he'll take one offense and keep, and keep going through your head. He'll put a loop on your head. But guess what gets rid of sin? What gets, what gets rid of sin? Ask me that question. 
Forgiveness. Forgiveness get rid of sin. So once you forgive somebody, it's the devil's job to get you to unforgive them. That's why it's called unforgiveness. It's his job to get you to unforgive them. So guess what he going to do? He going to bring back what they did to your mind. But if we don't learn how to fight thoughts, if we don't learn how to replace thoughts, we don't know how to fight and use our words, say, no, 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 devil, get out of here. They're forgiven of that. I'm not focused. Because guess what? He can't whoop the cross. He can't whoop Jesus. He can't whoop Jesus, what he done for, for us on the cross. See, forgiveness, if forgiveness whooped the devil, hold on, let's, let's look at it from God's perspective. God's perspective, right? What was the problem? He have an enemy in which is the devil, but he loved mankind, right? So guess what the devil do? He gets, he, the devil gets mankind to sin against God. Now God has to bring righteous judgment on mankind. He has to punish sin. Right? The wages of sin is always going to be death. Right? And God has to punish sin. He has to. So now the people that God love, now he got to punish them with death. Why? Because he's a just God. He just can't let us get away. Right? That wouldn't be a good judge. If, he, if, if somebody raped your daughter, we took him to court, and then the judge said, oh, oh, you're not going to do it no more? Okay, we're just going to let you go. That wouldn't be a good judge. Right? Ain't no way that judge, he, he going to hear me. If he let that criminal get away and that dude did something to my daughter, no, he going to hit me. So God just don't let you get away. Somebody got to pay for sin. So the enemy knows this, but he's forever eternal damned. Somebody got to pay. Somebody got to do this time for this crime. All right? That's where Jesus come in. God uses Jesus to come in to pay the punishment that we deserve. Right? Pay the punishment that we deserve. And when God forgave us, as we read in this scripture right here, in Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He counseled the record of the charges against us and took it out the way by nailing it to the cross. What was the record? We'd done something wrong. The devil had something against us. He had evidence against us. In this way, verse 15, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So when God himself came down and done our time and paid our fine, justice was served. Now, the devil can't take us to hell. He can't bring death to us. Why? Because the punishment, the crime that we committed, somebody else paid for it. And justice was legally served. So that was the, that's the legal implications behind the cross. It was legally served. Now, thoughts come back into your mind. If God forgave us, whooped the devil, how much more we going to need to use forgiveness to keep them whooped in our life? We do, if God needed to do it, you know we're going to need to do it. All right? But just because the God defeated your enemy don't mean he's going to leave you alone. Because we will have to take the same principles that God used to defeat them, to keep them defeated in our life. That's why forgiveness is so important. That's why reapplying forgiveness to your life is so important. That's why it's so important that he take all your sins away, all of them. Not have one left. It's so important. So how do we stop that loop from hitting our mind? 
we decide to do what God did to us. We forgive the way he forgave us. We let it go. We stop talking. We, we, if when God forgive you, is he up in heaven talking about, you know, Jesus, you know, Jasmine done came to me about five times about this thing. You know, I don't know if we're going to do it this time. We ain't going to forgive him this time. You know what, Jasper? You done came to me too many times about this forgiveness thing of doing that. You know, I'm, I'm done with you. No, no, I'm done with you. I'm going to kick it with the 24 L's. I'll holler at you tomorrow. No, do God do that? No. God don't act like us. But he want us to act like him. All right? So, the loop that the enemy going to put on everybody's mind, it's a, I call it a loop. I mean, he keep coming back with it. He come back with it over and over and over again. And the only thing that stops that loop is the blood of Jesus. It's forgiving them and letting them go. And then, bless God, go do something good for them. And this is what true love do for you. This is what he done for you, right? Find out. The Bible says we overcome evil with good. Not tit for tat. I found out how to fight as a Christian. And it's love. Is love. Amen. Learning to let the works of God cleanse you. We're saved by God, not by us. You trying to be good enough. You working hard. We're saved by God, not by us. We're saved by what he do, not by what you do. We must learn that process. Even though you must know obedience, you must do what God say. You must obey him. Amen. We know all those things. We must. But first, before you get to obey him, you got to first let him love you. And that he love you. He ain't going to never forget about it. He ain't going to never leave. You have to leave him. He still ain't going to never leave you. Because true love stick around. No matter what happens in this life, you can always have the peace and the joy to behold. Am I saying disregard the physical blessings that will transpire because you follow Jesus emphatically? No, there is some physical blessings that transpire. But I, want, I don't want you to misunderstand. Just because I'm happy don't mean I, got, I ain't got no problems. I don't want you to miss. I probably got more problems than all y'all put together. I ain't playing. But why am I happy? Why I ain't going to take my anger or my frustration out on you? Because I got Jesus, and he's forgiven me. I ain't going to hell no more. Look, my perspective, if we would tweak our perspective and let what matter really matter, this stuff don't matter. It really don't matter. It's not that important. All right? So what, why am I so happy? Or why, why would a person be happy? It's not that because we ain't got no problems. It's just I don't put my faith in my problems. I put my faith in the cross. So, so when... When stuff happens and stuff arise, I got my default to go back to. I got a default joy that I can get anytime. I don't care who done done whatever they done done to me. I can go get it anytime. Well, guess what it is? It's Jesus, sis. It's the cross. It's his love for me. He took my sins away. It's something that I didn't deserve. Amen. In that while I was just sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And then I get happy as if that's true because it really is. And then when you get happy based on what Jesus done for you on the cross, the Holy Spirit will always testify Jesus and keep you happy. I'm telling you, it don't matter what happens in this world. You can keep your joy no matter what happened to you. You can keep your joy no matter who said what because it's not about them loving you. 
It's about him loving you. It's about what he's done for you on the cross. It's not about them loving you. And when we feel those emotions of, I just don't feel like nobody loved me. I just don't feel like nobody care. Well, somebody do care. That's a lie that's trying to convince you that don't nobody care. And Jesus care. His love for you never fails. He has never run dry. He has never come obsolete and never come to an end. God's love never fails. As long as you will continue receiving it, as long as you will continue being there and allowing him to love you, you will always be satisfied. I don't care who ain't satisfying you. You will always be satisfied. I love my wife, and I thank God for her, but bless God, she ain't going to be able to give me this joy that I'm getting right now, and I can't do it for her. She'll have to go in there and get it from Jesus herself. Why? Because no person was ever designed to complete you. No person was ever designed to make you whole. That's God's job. And when people love falls short, you still got something to get. And I don't even mind my wife in there loving Jesus. I like, I don't get a Lord. I ain't got to try so hard. I ain't got to try so hard. Why? Because something else is satisfied. You see some joy on my face? Something else giving it to me. And it ain't coming from this world. I'm telling you, once you concentrate, and fix your attention on what Jesus done for you on the cross. Can't nothing take that away. Why? Because, man, you just, you can get it. You can just get it. You can just get it anytime you want. But we need to be conditioned, and we need to learn that God's love is more important than man's love. And even your own love, and you have to apply it to yourself. No, Jesus, and you know you mess up. You know that guilt come up and try to beat you, trying to make you give up. That guilt come up in your conscience, trying to, you know, you just messed up. You keep doing that. You ain't going to never change. You ain't going to, she okay, she okay. You ain't going to never change. You ain't going to never change. You know God don't love you. He ain't going to answer your prayer. You know he ain't going to do this one. And you remember I talk about that space and time where you have to, where there's a waiting on the Lord. And in that time, stuff coming up saying, you know, God ain't going to do this one because this and that and this and that. You know, God ain't going to come through because you ain't, you ain't been faithful. You ain't even came to church. God ain't going to do this one. And I must convince you otherwise that he's still in love with you. Yes, we must produce a obedience to the Lord and commitment to him. I'm not saying staying at the house, but I'm telling you that God's love supersedes anything you do or don't do. You can still receive it. And that's what makes you faithful. Because ain't nobody love you like this. Nobody else going to love you like God loves. Nobody else can do it. That's why you serve him. That's why I serve him. We do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me just cut this off and uh, in closing. Amen. Praise God. We love you, bro. In closing. All right. Um, there is uh, more to experience. There's more about God that we need to know, we need to grab the understanding of. And that knowledge, that information that God wants to transfer to you, it has an intent behind it. And the intent is to get you faithful, is to get you with purpose in your life. And ain't nothing like knowing that God ain't mad at you. Ain't nothing like knowing that he ain't holding nothing against you. 
There's only one sin God holding against you. One. Is you not coming to him. You not believing in him. You not trusting in him. Because he can't make you do that. We have to believe. We have to trust. We have to give our all to him. Because all your smoke, your drink, your lying, your lusting, your cheating, the Bible says he's already forgiven that stuff. That's what's going to help you not do it no more. There's one sin he ain't holding against you. Only one. You not running to him. You not coming to him. And he has everything you need. And that's a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We hope you are encouraged and empowered by today's message. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please visit our website at r4sq.org. If you need prayer, please send us a prayer request at amen at r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.